Welcome to this episode of the Emphasis Knowledge Institute podcast Brilliant Basics edition where we talk about the future of work and digital disruption. And what is digital disruption without innovation? We'll talk more about that topic in a second. My name is Anand Verma and today I'm happy to be joined by Christian Contemori who is one of our UX leads at Brilliant Basics based in London. The topic today is innovation mindset and approach. Welcome Christian. Hey, thank you for having me. Pleasure. Uh Christian before we start the conversation about innovation mindset and approach uh both outside as well as in Brilliant Basics. Our listeners would love to know more about you, where your background, you know, where you have where have you come from? Yeah, sure. I think my surname gives it away a little bit. So yeah, I'm originally from Italy and I moved to London 6 years ago for a completely different reason than UX. I actually moved after my degree uh, which was in finance, uh, interestingly. The reason I moved to uh London was to seek a career in the music industry. I'd say that went quite well because I was quite acquainted with intellectual property and uh industrial law. So I wanted to work in, you know, the kind of management side of the biz- the music industry. But in order to start, you need to know someone as it as it happens. So I started as a sound engineer uh because it back in Italy I was a music producer so I knew how to move faders <laughs> up and down basically you, you, you knew the tricks i knew the tricks of the of the trade and that got me in touch with some people in the music industry that owned record labels and i started and at that point i worked for a music startup uh, in a startup accelerator i think there is a connection with the, the theme as well and that's where i came in contact with the uh, topic of ux uh, that was about 4 years ago yeah, i was so fascinated by how impactful it is product for a service and the passion of the um, uh, ux lead that was at uh, that time uh, leading the ux of uh, of this startup and he was my mentor and that's from there i started uh, and then i decided to take on a masters degree uh, which was in uh, human computer interaction which is the academic um more theoretical background behind user experience so you study everything from computer science to cognitive uh science uh data visualization uh, other things other topics like interaction design or ex- uh, inclusive design and, uh, and then from there basically my career just uh, had a massive um massive acceleration and that was about that time that I joined BB so now I've uh, been part of the staff at BB for about 2 years but longer than that maybe two years three months and yeah very happy to be here very happy Amazing. to be part of it Amazing Christian yeah. you know every day it surprises me things i learn about people we have 150 people in the company and i always believe that our 100 people 150 people are somebody's 1500 people because the way we are the dynamic skills that we have you know grown up with and learned as well things we learn here the opportunity it gives us every day here as well including myself i really admire your shift from you know fight you know being part of your parents restaurant and helping out since you're 6 year old like you said just before the podcast started to doing finance um yeah. and then sound engineering and production to you know going and working for a music company to study means how old are you it sounds like i don't know what i'm trying to do <laughs> <laughs> I, i think it sounds like you know what you're doing and you've decided to kind of take a path that is very much proactive path taking from what i hear from you Yeah, absolutely. Uh just to answer your question, just turned 30 uh last month. <laughs> oh my god. Um <laughs> so uh, yeah. <laughs> moving on swiftly because I'm not going to talk of my age uh at this point. Um but you know, it's a remarkable journey and I'm sure all of these things you have learned actually helps you every day in some shape or form uh in terms of the projects you work on in terms of you know people's reliance on you to you know help them kind of come up with an answer and what have you so all of these are additive kind of skills and i always believe that especially the world we are living in 
where one skill sets is not good enough. Changing swim lanes constantly is the way forward for everyone. And that's what digital natives are all about. Would you, would you agree? Absolutely. Uh, I think one of the most important words uh, or verbs that I learned through my experience in the digital world was pivoting. Not just because I was in the startup world, but also pivoting from a, on a personal level which is exactly what you said. I think that's really important uh, to understand where you want to go and how you can move without the fear of not knowing where you're going. I think, you know, the the definition of pivoting is always, you ha- you always have um, solid stake in the ground and you're just turning around that solid stake. And that is what people should aspire to be, like having a, like a solid grounding of knowing where your knowledge sits and then you can like swivel around that knowledge. Uh, and that's how I like normally do things i um, and that's how you reduce uncertainty sometimes because it's you being an entrepreneur you know you know you you may not at, as adver- averse to risk as other people but you know that's how you man- manage risk and how you manage uncertainty yes i i agree with you and i think that's a nice pivot into our topic as well you know the topic today is innovation mindset and approach and before we kind of go into the topic itself, I think it'd be good to just spend a few minutes talking about what innovation actually means. Recently, what we have seen is a lot of companies going out of business. If you look at Thomas Cook, went out of business a few months ago. We have had Kodak stories. We have had stories from Blockbuster. And all of these companies were innovative companies, but they forgot how to innovate fast enough with the customer focus and customer centricity. And then we have positive stories like Apple, which is, you know, a company started in its 70s, early 80s, to what it has become as a company from innovation perspective. And it has created innovation industry around Apple products, for example. I would love to hear your thoughts around what innovation in your mind means, just from a macro perspective. And then we'll come down to, you know, how we kind of uh, take this idea forward in a company like BB, but also for our clients. Yeah, sure. I think innovation for me is about taking that idea onto a certain degree of visibility and then get available to people so that they can understand that that is a new thing that is happening in the world at that point in time. And that obviously there are different degrees of innovation. I think what we're talking uh, about here is more the kind of disruptive one as opposed to the incremental one. I definitely agree you know on what you said that if you don't know how to leverage that uh, as a company you can you're doomed also it's, it's the whole system we live in so that i don't want to say companies are forced to do innovation because if i was to say that then it would feel like there is no motivational passion just because oh that's the force of uh, you know economic the, the market that is driving the need for that and i believe innovation stems from the people you have in, inside a business and not necessarily from just how a business is organized. I think those two things need to come together. And hopefully we could talk about that a bit more uh, later. But innovation, in my opinion, because it's just not an idea, uh, the important aspect of innovation is how to bring that idea to implementation and how you deploy it in the real world, which a lot of companies don't know how to do. A lot of companies know how to maybe build on top of an idea, but don't know how to leverage and scale. And I think that is where the trick is. You just need to understand the forces as opposed to just going into one single direction. And that's where the force of collaboration, you know, having a right team of people that can share that attitude of, it's just idea creation, but how do you critically 
look at yourself and how of a problem solve how much of a problem solver you are everyone should be equipped with the idea of being a problem solver not just a designer uh, so that's that's my idea like how do you distribute that in, inside a inside a business how do you make innovation part of the dna of every single person and the dna of your business i i completely agree and you know you mentioned something about incremental innovation um and the more and more we talk to our clients and the way we think about it is is something that organization should have as part of their dna but that doesn't mean they're going to be creating disruptive innovation in the organization. Uh, you also mentioned things about the mindset shift. So innovation has to be outcome driven, but it can't be fail proof. So you got to have the mindset of, you know, um, allowing people to fail fast. And I'm hearing a lot of this terminology, learn fast rather than fail fast, because fail in some countries and some regions are negative connotation rather than positive. Then the, you know, the idea of breakthrough innovation or disruptive innovation is what we're going to focus on today. But one thing I'm really interested in is a lot of companies, uh, consultancy companies go and provide innovation services to end clients, but they have themselves haven't innovated their own ideas, own ways of working. And one thing I'm really proud of is whatever we preach to our clients, we actually practice at BB first. So how do you create innovation culture within the company that's providing innovation services to its client is one one of our kind of bigger uh, objectives or challenges. And before kind of, we know, we kind of get into the nitty gritty of this. I've always considered Brilliant Basics as a product, which means that it's got to iterate every uh, year, two years, so that we are market ready and market relevant. So I would love to hear your thoughts on, Christian, how we are, you are thinking about innovation as a service, as an offering for our own employees, our own people first. And then, you know, what it does is kind of creates this cadence of innovation for our clients. Absolutely. So because I'm in the business of experience, what I have seen in many, in many cases is that companies that offer a service um, are so detached from their customers sometimes that internally you could go and ask someone to tell you how the life of their customers is and they wouldn't be able to answer that question because they're detached from the end side of things. Whereas we as Brilliant Basics, one of our pillars is the future of work. Therefore, we need to live and breathe future of work here in our very business to be able to then bring it out and not just not I don't want to say praise it but obviously show to clients that this is how we're doing it and I've been part of pitches in which that started you know with a very interesting footing which was here is your problem this is what we were trying to solve but listen about our story here's our story and this is how we did it in our company which is a, an interesting take on uh, over a pitch as opposed to just telling you what we're going to sell to you or what we're going to do for you um, this is something that we've applied in our business so absolutely i second what you said there and the way you do it is i think you need to know how to increase awareness you know, to know, you need to know how to empower people to make decisions. And as you said, to, to feel free to, to fail or, or learn. There has to be a community or a sense of freedom in the sense that I can fail or I can try things without fear of repercussions over me. And I know of multiple businesses that do that, you know, Google being one of those uh, that try to give their employees tools and the time that they need to try and 
iterate on things and even 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 fail but you can actually measure that you can actually measure how people feel how free they feel to to be capable of doing that within a business i think in one of my courses in my um, uh, master was exactly about that how do you measure the creative environment and one of the metrics in the creative environment you can measure is is exactly that what is the advocacy to to trial and error and what is the perceived sense of risk Right, you can measure those things and then you can give your company a score on how creative your people are based on that. So there's there's more uh, metrics. I'm not going to go through all of them but yeah, and that that makes a, that makes, makes a lot of sense. What I like about what you're saying is that we have the responsibility to define the future work ourselves first before we define it for our clients and our partners, that kind of clearly comes out, which means that we have to be experimental ourselves, but experimentation within parameters built in there, and that those are the KPIs you're mentioning that we should keep in mind. Some of those KPIs might not exist already, so you kind of define those new KPIs with the team members of the company. But I think creating the MVP of what we'll share with our clients is a big part of us innovating as a company. That's, that's, I think that's a takeaway that getting from you. And, you know, just to bring that to life a little bit, Christian, for us, you know, the way we have designed this space in Shoditch, the way we have implemented the future work ideas, none of them existed as a template before. So we have trialed here and some have worked really well others we are iterating and one of the things you have been leading at brilliant basics is this whole concept of how to make our lives better in the company where the problems and solutions identification happens by ourselves and these problems could be you know a digital problem it could be a physical design problem it could be an emotional wellness problem so you recently led pretty large scale hackathon in the company i would love for listeners to learn or listen to you about how you went about it i'll start from the kind of the the inception so i uh, started or championed this uh, ux uh, meeting within the company that we do on a bi-weekly basis and things on people that mentioned we started talking about hackathons and how we stir creativity in the business and it's it was at that point where we started like thinking about themes and potential uh, ideas to bring to the hackathon how we do it how we organize and all that but i think the turning point happened when i then came to you and said oh this is what we would like to do and your first thought was why don't we open this to the entire business right why don't why don't we take ideas from all around us and not just the ux team and i absolutely thought like yeah exactly that's that's right we need to think about everyone. Otherwise, what you have as a consequence is that if you were to um, advertise that within the company, the UX team has thought about doing a hackathon, then it's very unlikely for, you know, it's very likely for the UX people to be there, but maybe you're not going to have other departments that are so involved in it. So that was a great idea. And and um, just to kind of add to that, Christian, as well, that UX leading this meant that it was user-driven and going across domains, meaning that everybody's part of their users' lives kind of better yeah. from your point of view. Right. Yeah. So that was exactly the point. And what we did, we uh, used one of our town halls, one of our quarterly town halls to do a company wide workshop in which we um, gathered people, challenges, pain points and even opportunities within the business around some key themes, uh, some of them being empowering the workforce or how do we uh, make sure that the DNA of Brilliant Basic is weaved all around what we do. Uh, well, digital well-being or physical well-being were some of the themes. And then once we've gathered all these inputs, then we've done some affinity uh, diagram analysis and we came up with three core uh, concepts that we could bring onto the actual hackathon on the, on the day. And those were 
around empowering the workforce. So how do you make sure that there is a communication going on between the people within the uh, within the business, but also giving a constraint because a hackathon, you want it to be really creative and pushing ideas, right? So basically we what we said, what one of the one of the constraints in the theme was try not to use too much of a digital kind of platform or technical um, support to bring your idea to life. So they have to think about, you know, like lateral, think a bit outside of the box. No barriers, basically. No barriers. It could be anything. It could be physical or it could be a new way of communicating with the people. Another one was well-being. So uh, how do you support digital, uh, sorry, mental and physical well-being within the company, which is uh, was a great topic that a lot of people actually mentioned. Yeah, another one one was around the DNA. So how do we tell the BB story, not necessarily just using our digital kind of supports and, you know, decks or presentations or website. How do we do that in a different way? Which I think, you know, is really connected uh, with what we were talking about earlier, which is how do you then communicate that externally? How do you communicate the story of BB to to your other, uh, to your clients and to the people that want to interact? So that led to the hackathon. I think 40 people took part, which is good. Obviously it was the first one we were doing. We called it Hack to the Future. We had a really nice, uh, you know, kind of retro feel to it. Uh, did all the poster, you know, obviously everything was uh, Back to the Future related, but it was a nice punt. So we divided in uh, three main groups. Even someone external came in, someone who had known about the hackathon said, I just want to be there. Yeah, this story is a good one. And, and sorry to interject, Christian, but um, just before the hackathon, we had our Diwali party and uh, we had invited a lot of clients and clients' families and our own kind of families and partners. And quite a few people saw the poster on the wall that you had put, which is Back to the Future one. And one, I would say, you know, uh, teen- teenager who is actually uh, doing his uh, his A-levels right now in London, uh, said to his dad, who's one of our clients, would you mind asking Christian and Anand about if uh, I can be part of this hackathon, right? And he's like 17-year-old kid. And we said, hell yeah, right? That's like, that's what we want this to be for. So we're not just inspiring our own people, the other people who are actually being part of this journey. And we kind of opened the doors to him to be part of the hackathon. Yeah, I, was so, I was so pleased. Yeah, I was so pleased when I heard about that. I was like, took by surprise. Um, and uh, yeah, he, he collaborated with uh, one of the team, one of probably was the biggest team. And he learned about how we do things and how we go from, you know, understanding the problem and deconstructing that problem all the way to implementation. We had one day... We hope in the future we could have maybe a bit more so that there can be that kind of follow up on the execution. There were um, one of the team uh, actually tried to build something that kind of worked and that was all around, constructed all around the idea of well-being and creating a digital uh, garden with it, Brilliant Basics. The idea there, which it was the winning idea, was that if you could, at the end of each day, write down three of uh, three things, three positive things that happened to you and so reflect back on your day. It, there are studies that actually confirm that that is a trigger for more positive thinking and for well-being. So what we did was connect that uh, to the wider company. So if people do enter three positive things every day, then they'll be contributing to like a digital garden that grows. And this digital garden is really beautifully designed with uh, our brand colors and really nice plants. So the develop, developer in, in that team tried to kind of hack it. Like how can we do this garden that grows uh, and luckily they did something uh, really interesting and you know what that does then it creates this community of understanding right you can actually share the 
community garden, so to speak, so where all the different people, people's gardens can be uh, merged together. And you can see, oh, this week, actually not many people wrote a lot of positive things or, oh, this is a really good week. Look at the garden, right? And it doesn't have to say which one or who did that. It's just a, like this indirect feeling or, you know, subconscious idea of, everything's going good or mm, it's not great. It's not that good today, which also is also important for management, right? To understand what is the state, yeah. the mental state of your, of your office. Yes. And, and, and I would even kind of take a step forward. One of the things that's really getting me excited to be part of a group like Brilliant Basics and Emphasis is how our actions actually help communities and environment and other kind of volatility issues that that's outside our influence, right? And, you know, what I liked about that idea was this is not just about that team. This is about everybody. And, you know, somebody said in that team that, you know, there's a digital garden that's growing at Brilliant Basics, but potentially we can apply this to all of emphasis as well. But every time there's a garden grown and it's a good week, let's kind of ask the real garden to be planted in places that it needs most. So having a bit of a purpose in our work, I think, makes people's lives simply better, not just from a B2C client perspective, but also communities which kind of needs our help and need our skills. We're not giving our skills away. Actually, we're using our skills to make things better outside. So I was quite pleased to see that actually as part of the idea. And, and the other thing I wanted to kind of share my perspective on, I was on the judging panel, so I can kind of see from the other side. They didn't just randomly come up with the idea. Right. They re- did the research. They presented the Cambridge University research. They had a lot of data and insight. Then they went into kind of prototyping rapidly based on that research. And then the idea was emerged. You know, if we use that as an example, it shows that it can't be just randomness to innovation. Actually, there is a structured innovation, which I'm sure you'll talk about it in terms of what are the takeaways what I felt that was the winning component of that, that idea. Yeah, I, it's interesting that you mentioned the word randomness uh, because I was actually going to mention this guy, Chris Nossel, who's written quite extensively around uh, randomness and how it helps design, how it helps creativity. He's um, written about semiotics and you know the power of symbols, you know the power of unspoken connections. And I think it, it's, it's the sweet spot is how do you connect the ability to generate ideas, even through a random approach, because there are ways that you can actually stir and and improve on creativity by, uh, for example, applying random uh, connections. So if you take, for example, an ontology or a network of uh, properties, you can then readjust those properties. And, you know, if you take a chair, you just draw out the properties of a chair, but then you remove the chair and then you just have the properties and you reassemble them. What do you have in the end? Is it a chair still? So that randomness can actually be baked into creativity. And I think it has to have a process, right? You have to then know understand how you take that onto the next step. It can't just be random, randomness throughout, <laughs> right? It'll be chaos. It's a different definition of randomness, right? So, you know, there's randomness in design you're talking about, which is absolutely important. And there's a focus that should be around uh, the problem solving, I guess. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So as you said, what, how do you connect that uh, and make it into an innovation process? There has to be structure. And I think you understand those structures uh, when you do things, when you you, you have the ability to learn from what you're doing and having hands-on approaches. And that's exactly 
kind of the uh, the ethos of a, of a hackathon. Let's let's try and do things, and that we know how to encapsulate and how to bring that to life through a more structured process, right? So that is just the in- inception phase, and you know, get people excited about things, and then how do you maintain the same level of excitement throughout? Christian, from um, hackathon perspective at BB, what are some of the kind of key takeaways that you'd love to share with our listeners? First one is it's hard to organize things. You know, it's as everything, I guess, it's important that you keep people motivated and then you give roles, well-defined roles for people to then take ownership of, of things and organization and then making sure that you can acknowledge those people afterwards. So I, there's so many um, uh, useful helping hands that I received. Lorenzo, for example, being one of the guys that helped me a lot on the hackathon, but all the UX team really from the initial phases. So that is one key uh, key takeaway. Another key takeaway is how do you, tell people that this is not a one-off. How do you follow up on that? How do you create a culture of repeatable um, success creation? Uh, And that is actually probably the most challenging one because it feels like everything builds up to this moment where the ideas are are revealed. Uh, Yeah, everything, everything, everyone's hyped. But then kind of it it goes down as it it normally does in things. You know, you you reveal uh, a plot in in a movie and then it kind of, you know, now I understand the movie or I've seen the movie. Now I can go home and and sleep. (laughs) So how do you bring that one up again? So it it takes constant effort. But um, I really like the fact that some people came around uh, to me and said, okay, what do we do 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 now? Uh, And I was like, oh yeah, you're right. I need to get and think of it. Like we need to get going because you tend to, you know, get obviously, you know, you're busy with your uh, other project activities and tend to get absorbed by that as opposed to the the other work, the other, you know, lateral activities. And I think having a conversation with you right now and talking to people, um, what we're going to be doing next week is considering how we bring that idea forward or other ideas that were explored during the hackathon. How do we bring it forward? And also when's the next hackathon? Makes sense. And uh, repeatability, momentum, consistency, cross domain, all the things that you're sharing is is a big part of it. Once again, you're listening to the Brilliant Basics special series of the Knowledge Institute podcast where we talk about future of work and digital disruption. We're here with Christian Contemori, one of our UX leads at Brilliant Basics, and we're talking about innovation mindset and approach. The next area that we wanted to explore a little bit more, Christian, is the misconceptions about innovation. So I've been in many meetings with many clients in, you know, throughout my career and they have innovation as one of their core values, but the behavior doesn't show the core value coming to life every day because they're busy with other priorities and what have you. Uh, but also what innovation actually means, you know, the, the, the way they go about it, either in their ventures unit or, you know, the way the company eats it some, themselves. I would love to kind of hear your thoughts on what are some of the misconceptions and also why innovation generally kind of fail? So I think there are reasons, uh, the ones that I, uh, I believe is impactful is, you know, lack of alignment with the business. So what you see sometimes is this innovation theater where you have the people within any of innovation lab and they don't know if they should help the business being disruptive or if they should disrupt the business. So they don't know if they should follow, if they should disrupt. And, and what that causes is then obviously a big fracture. I call it, uh, do they run a museum or do they want to build things that will go into a museum? So just to describe that. Right. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. And, and that's what, I have, uh, what I've seen in the past uh, where big companies try to set up their innovation labs. And uh, there's a lot of literature out there on why they, why they fail. So lack of alignment with the business is definitely one. I think lack of metrics to track success uh, is another one. 
how do you measure success and how do you define those metrics and why should they be relevant do you have a do you have a view on uh, in your mind in terms of what those initial metrics could be well i think there has to be some sense of urgency at some point um so how fast you are at kind of breaking uh, the mold that could be one uh, but not necessarily to shouldn't be seen as an obstacle to to innovation sometimes innovation just kind of comes into being it just emerges uh without too much previous or prior uh, planning but that is more like serendipitous innovation that probably would you know that's uh, harder to plan yeah definitely that creating that sense of urgency uh, knowing how fast you you are at uh, building upon your discoveries um you know if you discover things then you should be quick at um bringing that knowledge in so you need to become a designer and a business strategist at the same time so basically you might have tens of ideas knowing which are you to focus on is also a KPI for innovation yeah absolutely how do you make sense how do you order uh and prioritize is, is another one which pattern or well, which framework do you use to prioritize even uh, that's a big one because i think the biggest um chicken and egg problem in innovation is well you don't know if that is going to be innovative until you put it out in the market you need to have that initial level of investment and belief uh and hope uh sometimes that that is actually going to make a difference um how do you make sure that you can um contain uh what we were saying uh, before you know the level of uncertainty how do you welcome uncertainty i think it's a big part of it uh and it goes into the kind of the sustainability aspect of innovation how do you make sure that you're not uh shaken completely off your trajectory when something unexpected happens so you have to make that in at the beginning uh and that could be a kpi that could be a metric I think also lack of balance in the team is another one when you know you don't give people enough you know don't empower, empower people uh strongly enough to make them all problem solvers where there's someone coming in you know acting wanting to kind of lead the conversation all the times but then leading it in the wrong direction as opposed to um collaborating with the team uh and what we're seeing I think in um you know you were Uh, discussing agile in one of the previous podcasts is exactly that how do you make the the team one team we we talked a lot about um trust and reliability so that there is an implicit trust between teams to actually deliver value and one person should not let everybody else down and that trust comes with clear responsibility but also relying on each other yeah absolutely i'm sure our listeners will be interested to know more about is the culture part of innovation so this is where you become an innovation led company as part of the core dna the way you bring people in the way kind of they operate in the company the management support in making sure they're successful one of the key concept of bb from the very beginning is this concept of t-shaped people so t-shaped for our listeners is you know the the vertical line of the t is all about the depth of the skills they they have and they want to build and the horizontal line is you know some of the soft skills that makes them connect with other people in the organization so things like critical thinking things like empathy things like uh, appreciation of other others domains all those are big part of creating an innovative organizations christian from your experience and having worked in a startup how do you build this culture of innovation 
where it's all about learning, right? Rather than, oh my God, you know, I don't want to touch it because somebody will tell me off and, you know, that kind of stuff. I'm a big fan of the doctrine that sees culture as uh, conveyed by the behaviors of people as opposed to what uh, people may believe in or what is the culture that the business wants to create. Being a line manager myself, I, I can see how I can support, uh, you know, the people and actually create that connection between uh, the business and how, you know, processes kind of brought on to the kind of more generic way of doing things and how people actually are. And then injecting that, uh, you know, innovation and but leaving people uh, and letting them be proactive. I think, you know, being proactive is really important. And, you know, being a line manager, I'm aware that, you know, the new person can come in and see me and, you know, I'm, oh, that guy, I should be compliant. I should just do as, you know, as I think he wants me to, to do things, but actually leaving enough room for everyone that works um, to be proactive enough and to show where uh, their intuition resides and being able to understand what that intuition is and then uh, empower it uh, with the notion of, you know, you can bring that forward, uh, you can create using that intuition, uh, you can be innovative. And that's, you know, how I'm trying to do things and connect uh, the two planes and the two layers. I absolutely love it. And, you know, I can kind of underline that further with the brilliant basics culture is to be flat uh, have processes, but processes should not define the culture of the company as such. It should be, everyone should have access to everything and everyone should be able to come forward if they have an idea without feeling that, oh my God, people will, you know, uh, rip it apart or laugh at it. And I think having that mindset of learning fast and, you know, failing fast is part of our culture. Now we are in the business of, you know, people. And if we don't empower our people, then they can't be empowering the clients that we work with as well. So I'm really excited to talk about this. Um, we're coming towards the kind of last section of the discussion, Christian. And one of the things that's really driving me forward in the digital world that we are in is the sustainability, ethics, environment. I really think that innovation can play a major role in making environments, communities better. That doesn't mean that we have, good, we have to go and plant thousands of trees ourselves, but we can use our skill sets to make things better. And recently, in one of our previous podcasts, we talked about connected spaces with Ben Ingram and how having connected spaces in a smart way leads to lower car, um, carbon emission and then leads to a better environment. What's your view on how do you kind of, you know, stitch uh, the sustainability and all of these great community initiatives in the work we do? Yeah, I think that's very interesting because you can see it as a intention to be sustainable that is driving the, the push to innovate or is innovation itself that should be sustainable. So obviously you can see sustainability on different levels. You can see, you know, social sustainability, environmental sustainability, economic sustainability. I believe here what we're talking about is more, you know, like all-encompassing sustainability. Mm. The way I think the two are connected is definitely right now what we are seeing is that sustainability, uh, mainly environmental sustainability, is being kind of the driver of innovation and is also a creativity driver. So if you want to be greener, what do you need to change to, to you know achieve that as a success? And I think it's really interesting because it's now part of the practice. Uh, what I've seen uh, and what I've picked up is that the intention to be greener sometimes is the very trigger that moves that kind of sequence of events that then bring uh, creativity into being. So they generate creativity just by thinking about that as a constraint, because sustainability in a, in a sense is a constraint, is a, is a hard thing to achieve. So when you innovate, then you need to know 
how it's going to impact right the social kind of fabric as well and those externalities are very hard to pick very very hard to pick and you know ethics is is one of those you know are you aware or you know how much do you know um that your product once it's going to be released uh, is not going to create negative ripples or it's going to break how you know some of the uh major contractual agreements that you have with your customers so for example you know privacy being one of those uh are not are not broken right and what i try to do is understand what those externalities can be so that you're working with a product that is innovative for the business or is innovative for the community then you know and you have trust that you can control to a certain extent because there's something there's always something that you haven't uh, foreshadowed uh, but you can analyze how much of an impact it's going to be uh, that you haven't initially uh, thought through and that kind of goes back to system design and understanding how systems talk to each other you need to have that system um, system map and that system notion in your head when you uh, apply innovation because there's always um, consequences to that so that's yeah. Love it. And uh, sustainability comes as a byproduct of that. So Christian, thank you so much for your time. Well, thank you. We have a tradition um, on our podcast for our guests to talk about a book they like or they are reading at the moment and why. So the book I'm reading at the moment is a book about ethics. Um, Simon Blackburn, How to Be Good. But it's um, a book around the principles of ethics and what ethics means in uh, what ethics mean in the digital world. Christian, how can people find you online? So if you type Christian Contemori on Google, I believe I'll come out uh, in the result page. Again, LinkedIn, Twitter. I try to be quite active on Twitter. I'm going to start writing a bit more on Medium uh, around UX topics. Um, an article that I want to, that I'm writing at the moment is about mapping and importance of mapping in UX and how you use that to connect business and uh, design. Right. And also um, we'll be releasing the blog article for this particular topic uh, we've just talked about, that is innovation mindset and approach. Christian, thank you again. And, um, you know, for our listeners, you can find the details on our show notes at emphasis.com forward slash IKI in our podcast section. Everyone, you're listening to the Brilliant Basics edition of the Emphasis Knowledge Institute, where we talk about future work and digital disruption. Thanks to our lovely producer, Yulia Debari, and the entire Knowledge Institute and Brilliant Basics team. And until next time, keep learning and keep sharing.